You're listening to Playback, a Variety iHeartRadio podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. This week we have John David Washington, the 34-year-old star of director Spike Lee's latest film, Black Klansman. We discuss taking the dive into leading man territory, growing up the son of a cinema legend, and a whole lot more. So sit tight. This is Playback. Something important? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got me thinking somebody's blowing me up. Oh, you said why? I was like, oh. It's my baby mom. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys can that sit pay on that this couch while we record. Or Got to pay that child support. I know, man. I'm like, <laughs> can't just drop that on me. Like, you not explain yourself. <laughs> right, right. <sighs> He's just going to take a quick... Uh, That's your kid right there? Yeah. Look at that. Two years old there at his birthday party. What's his name? Foster. Foster. Yeah. You got any? No. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. See, I don't know why that was the reaction. But almost like I was a kid. Might have been my reaction when I was your age. Yo. So, like, I watch Murray, man. I be watching that. <laughs> you are not the father. How you been, man? Good. Doing this a lot? Which way? That. Oh, okay. Yeah. Premiere last night? Uh, it was what's the, what's Friday, Wednesday. It was Wednesday. How was that? Wednesday. It was dope, man. Just people seem to be just receiving the film with just so much passion, and, mm-hmm. and they like they feel. It seems like they're affected by some of the questions. I, I, got, I think I got a question. I got it in France too, and I got it. It might have been in Chicago or something. Like, how do we solve racism? Like, uh, <laughs> Take a seat. Let's figure that out. Yeah, come <laughs> on, man. We'll be so, here for a minute. But I, I just like the, the the foundation of where it came from. They yeah, seem to be affected sure. by what they just saw. So yeah, yeah. Cool. I'm always curious how you know just different audiences around the globe their reactions to movies when someone comes off a press tour right. like that. And was it just, was it was it, I think it, like looking back in it now, I'm glad that the first time I saw with people was overseas for some reason. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I was, I don't know if that was protected, but it was like house money, because if they don't connect with it, well, at least it ain't, you know, my neighbor. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, just so, yeah. like, you got to see him every day. But uh, but then, but, but when they received it, then the, the pressure became more, because our, they get it now, our, our, as, as our country going to get it, they're going to connect yeah. to it. So, it was interesting. It's kind of late in the festival, too, right? When it played can? No, it was, it was, oh, yeah, maybe. I feel it was, like it was kind of deeper into the week. No, I think it was right in the middle. Was it? I, I don't know. Right. I think it was right in the middle. Yeah. What did you think of that? Just the can experience, thing? yeah. It was in like, front of me. Yeah, it was like man, it was like the Super Bowl, man. It was it was <laughs> like no, seriously, just uh, an embarrassment of riches. Like people just seem to love film there. Just like they're just like film enthusiasts and also fashion enthusiasts. Like you got to mm-hmm. put your tux on and everything. <laughs> but but it didn't seem pretentious in any way. It was it wasn't it wasn't like an era of elitism. It was more like we're just here to to welcome film and celebrate uh, storytelling. You know, yeah, with some champagne, you know, some French grapes. <laughs> that and always shit. helps. So, yeah, always yeah. Helps. So it was, I enjoyed it, man. I've never been in, a, in an environment like that before, um, and just to be able to do it with Spike Lee, it's like you know, there's a practical some return, so to speak, because mm-hmm. they, they seem to have embraced him since the you know early 80, yeah, 80s, sure. 80s, 90s. So it was nice. Right. Well, we're up and running. Uh, we're here with John David Washington, the star of Black Klansman. We were yeah, just talking yeah. about the uh, can experience for that film. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. This movie is uh, awesome. I loved it. Uh, I saw <laughs> cool. it about a month or two ago. Uh, before we get into the movie, and you know, just very curious about your move from football to acting and all that as well, mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of play get to know you 
Like, you know, like, what, what, what movies do you like? What, start there. What kind of movies did you grow up liking? I mean, from Dances with Wolves to to Tim Burton's Batman, Ninja Turtles. Not the <laughs> Vanilla Ice one, although I saw that one, but the first one, you know. Uh, I, 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 the Shining, uh, Super Superfly, you know. I, I just, I love all different types of genres of film and, and you know, just, I, I lost myself in these characters. I wanted to be them. I knew every line and glory, every character. You know, I, I, I wanted the, for Christmas, I wanted the blue suit and a rifle. I wanted the, the, the VHS. I know you might be too young to remember VHS tapes, but I had the VHS. You just tell me I'm too young I'm to remember saying, VHS tapes. I'm just saying, I don't know. You, you got the young look <laughs> I going love on. you, man. So Thank I'm you for just, that. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> and it, I broke it. I watched it so many times. I broke the tape, so yeah. all I wanted was that blue suit and the tape. The uh, the tape the, from a, for Christmas and I got it, so uh, yeah, Robin Hood the uh, the Kevin Costner one and I didn't mind that he didn't have an English accent I didn't care <laughs> I, was, I just I believed in you know Morgan Freeman being Azim like so just yeah. all those kinds of movies I just love how know? about Robin Hood Men in Tights oh, are you kidding me <laughs> hey nanny nanny you know ho, ho, ho. that's my that's my joint man Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle first time was I ever saw Dave Chappelle right, was yeah. in that movie well he was either that or uh, uh, he was in the Eddie Murphy joint too he was the stand up comedian oh yeah, yeah 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 I don't know which one was first but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. early Dave Chappelle what about you know actors other than the obvious that maybe you grew up uh, inspired by yeah. Everybody in glory. I mean, yeah. Andre Brower. Um, um, uh, uh, just, uh, but honestly, too, um, Alfred Woodard. She's one of my favorites, like of all time. She can do anything. Like for her comedic timing to her dr- dramatic performances are great. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jack Nicholson. Uh, just the way he was able to, the way he, <laughs> the way he says, like his cadence and how he can change like tones in one sentence mm-hmm. you know what I mean it just seems like it just comes so natural and easy as if he didn't even need to do any research mm-hmm. that's how free he seemed to be on screen obviously De Niro and the whole uh, Scorsese pack and everybody in, in Spike Lee films you know like Spike Lee really gave us a platform when I say us people men and women of color and different personalities we weren't just the generic you know gangster number five pimp number two on the call sheet but we were actually he was actually celebrating our differences mm-hmm. the nuances and behavior of different cultures within neighborhoods different neighborhoods as well so uh and he did it such in such an extraordinary way uh, you know in, of that time so i really appreciated that i mean the hughes brothers films growing up i loved and i'm friends with alan hughes he's like alan hughes he's like a mentor to mm-hmm. me he, you know he, he introduced me to hiking you know and so really? yeah I, I hike all the time now it's, it's i get like great um Inspiration and like just creative ideas when I do that when I do those hikes and uh, you live out here. Uh, I live in Brooklyn now, okay. but uh, but just when I was out here, so um, you know just just all kinds of films, man. I mean, I love Clueless growing up. You know, yeah. that, that movie was was off the chain, man. I mean, I'm from the <laughs> valley, so like I could connect with it a little bit. So uh, just all that love, Jones. Neil, I got to meet Nia Long last night and I fell out. Oh wow! I was like, she and she looks great, by the way. Yeah, we had uh, our our guy was on the carpet doing some video, uh, doing some interviews, and I saw her. Yeah, she's. Yeah, she looks great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Regina King, I got to see her as well. She's a monster, a beast of an actress. She's yeah. incredible. She was very nice. I, I presented I was at the uh, um, Hollywood HFPA, Foreign Press. Yeah. yeah, so that was great. So just I'm, you know, I'm just in the. I mean, I got to meet. Oh, I got to meet Benicio del Toro at the um, <laughs> at the uh, at Cannes Film Festival. He saw the film. I mean, he's one of my favorites of all time. Had him on the show anything. a few weeks ago. Did you really? Yeah, Is yeah. he cool? He's awesome. Yeah. We had him back to back with Josh Brolin, and they're completely different people. Like, oh Josh, yeah, Josh yeah. is real extroverted. And then you get Benicio, and he's just more he's reserved, he's a little more reserved. Really? But then he, when when I hit when I turn it off, he really lit up. <laughs> like wow, still, maybe that's it's just a thing when he's like you when know, he's gonna just, like he got to be performing. Yeah, and stuff. maybe. Yeah, well, I understand. But when you were growing up, you know, and, and your dad is Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do you ever have 
did you have these kinds of ambitions, or is it the kind of thing where you want to run in the other direction of what your dad's doing? You know, it was a combination of, of both. Uh, yeah. I wanted seeing him perform at Shakespeare in the Park when I was four, I guess, four four or five or four or three, three to five, so one, around that time. Uh, he did Richard III at, at Shakespeare in the Park in New York. And um, I would just, I loved it, the whole process. He would say, recite his lines. He would take me around the city and recite his lines, you know, all the time. And, like, that language, I got introduced to Shakespeare at four years old, and I loved <laughs> I fell in love with the language. Because, uh, you know, he would talk different at home or, or some places or at, like, school or when he was coaching me, but then he'd say these words. I was like, how did he do that? I just noticed that. Hey, my mom, too. I mean, she was able to just play, go up to a piano and play this Beethoven or play this classical stuff just off the whim. Like, I, I, I just loved the process of it all. And mm-hmm. so that was inspiring. I just knew I wanted to do it, that in glory. And his ascension into the business, as he was starting to get more recognizable, and really Malcolm X, things started to change. We needed more security. We, we started getting an answering service. Like, you had to be more protective. It was... What they did with that film in those times in the business was, uh, I mean, it's legendary and it was very dangerous as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so life changed for us and people started treating me different and sort of that resentment and anxiety I was getting from this, um, from people around me that started to treat me different because of him. I needed to put that and filter that into something positive. Otherwise, I was going to go off the rails. And football was what it was for me. And I love this. I love football, but I, I, it was so, it was more like a, a mechanism to help, I don't say cope, I'm not making me feel like I'm like um, I'm a victim, but to help me get through certain, you know, regular teenage year stuff, the, the rebellious time, you know, mm-hmm. it just was like a positive rebellion. And so I was able to go through a lot of pain and, 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 and endure these injuries because of the motivation. The mandate was, I'm my own man, I'm independent. I was able to earn my own scholarship in Morehouse College, and I made the NFL and played overseas as well and made my own money because of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like I found that independence. But what was happening, unfortunately, or fortunately, every time I'd have these great games, it would be Denzel, the papers would read or the radio station would say Denzel's son ran for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. Denzel's son sets, you know, the Morehouse record at school. So, like, it didn't matter. It was inescapable. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, uh, just curious, like, what's your favorite pro team? Oh, Philadelphia Eagles. I got Philly to meet Randy, Randall Cunningham, the great Randall Cunningham when I was – I think Pops was doing Philadelphia with Tom Hanks at the time, and he took me to a game. And we went to the sideline, and Randall Cunningham, he, I got to shake his hand. Now, he gave me some advice. I'm like this little kid with the squeaky high voice. He kept saying, just always do the right thing and, like, always make sure you have your glove. And he gave me his glove. He always wore a glove on his off hand, and he gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like the best moment of my life. So from <laughs> awesome. then on, because congratulations! Never, by the way. Oh, thank you. I, I'll take that. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna wait on it. Thank you, thank you. No, I mean, because I never seen anybody that looked like me at that position. Yeah. He sort of revolutionized the position in the way it was played. That, and he looked cool with that twelve and them eagle wings on his helmet. Yeah. So I mean, I've been an Eagles fan ever since. I was hooked. I won't mention that I'm a Washington fan. Oh, but yeah. let me ask you this. <laughs> you don't want to, okay. You don't want to unpack that. You don't want to. We can unpack that. All right, I, but I do want to. There is something I want to unpack. Are you at all like me? I'm having trouble watching this year uh, because of what's happened with the protests and mm-hmm. everything, and the way the leagues reacted. I'm just curious if you have any strong feelings about that. I have strong feelings. I'm pro player. Yeah. You know, a lot of these young men. This is their ticket out out of their of their situation. Ones that they can better themselves, they can provide for their families. That's what the NFL provides, and I appreciate that. That's what, but the NFL provides it through the fans. Us, we pay the money to see them do extraordinary things on Sundays and Mondays. So if the product is getting polluted, 
we got to find out what the root the root of that problem, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not the game. The game is pure. High school football is still pure. College football, to some degree, is still pure. They they seem to want to be out there. I mean, there's nothing like to me. This is what the difference is in the NFL and college and high school. There's nothing like motivated millionaires. When you see these guys getting paid incredible amounts of money, but they still care. They still risk their lives and I say lives, but they really do. But their but their limbs put them on the line. To, to win for their teammates. That's what gets me going. That's what's exciting about the sport and the mm-hmm. nature of the sport itself. I mean, it's so violent. But the brotherhood, I mean, you cannot win. The prerequisite of victory is is being on the same page with your teammate, and you have to be almost egoless in a way. It doesn't guarantee the win, but at least that's that's the only way you can at least set yourself up to do it. So when everybody's working together, that mechanism is something relatable to the country about that. We Americans love that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to find out how to just deliver that product again to us yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, when you came out of college and, and, and you went through football for a while and then you uh, started to make that transition to acting with mm-hmm. ballers just you know several years ago, mm-hmm. uh, did it feel right? Did it feel natural? Did it feel like this is this is what I want to do? Can I cuss on here? Yes. Hell yeah, it felt right. <laughs> <laughs> it's encouraged. Yeah, well, I, I, I never felt more like it. I must say, like, having a great day on set, I, I, I can't compare it to any great day I had on the football field. But I think the motivations were different because I was, I was just so – I was just, again, so relentless in my pursuit of independence. It took away a lot of the joy. And, like, do you even like what you're doing or you just need feel the need to be independent? You know what I mean? So maybe that sort of saturated the, the joy a little bit. But, but yeah, I mean, I wanted to, again, I wanted to do this since Pops was doing Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah. So here I am doing it, yeah. getting to express, getting to put all these emotions and put them into a character. You know, and and, and there's, there's there's a whole bunch of similarities from football to here. I mean, you still have so many people on set that you depend on. That everybody needs to do their job, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the camaraderie of it all. And when there's egos, when the egos are set aside, and you're just there to service the film or the project, that's a beautiful feeling. I mean, that's a high I'm I'm constantly chasing. Yeah. Uh, the the last question on this, the obvious one that maybe you get tired of hearing, but you know, being the son of Denzel Washington, do you, does that make you feel like you have something more to prove as an actor? Well, like just taking you through my journey in football, <laughs> I mean, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I, I, got a lot to, I got a lot to prove to myself. You know, yeah. I, that, that's, that's bad fuel. It used to be, it used to fuel me. Like, I'll show them, I'll show him. Right. But that, 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 that the, there's no longevity in that. That's short money. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to do it for me. You know, I got to do it for for who I believe in. I believe in God. I pray every day. So if this is if this is what He wants, it feels really good. So I'm like, <laughs> God, thank you. This because this is if this is what you want me to do, this is great because I love it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I, um, I just want. It's all about the work, though. You know, I mean, for, I had the helmet syndrome where I, I didn't want people knowing my face. I just wanted to get out there with a helmet on and run for them yards. So it's not about recognition necessarily I, I if i can inspire somebody anybody one person to make them feel the way i felt watching the movies i described to you earlier i told you about earlier yeah. and I, jo- I did my job yeah well uh, as far as you know taking the lead in a movie is concerned i can't think of a better trial by fire than you know, <laughs> fronting a spike lee joint if you will <laughs> right uh you know there, there's obviously plenty of familiarity there going way back with spike but uh did you still come into it with confidence did he have to sell you to get you into this, like, oh 
Yeah, I'm going to cuss again. Hell no, you didn't have to sell me, man. Spike Lee and this incredible, crazy story that I thought was, you know, maybe like an adaptation of the Dave Chappelle skit or something. I, I, but when I found out it was real, that this is good old-fashioned American backyard hate, I'm like, oh, wow. And told by the tone master. Like, Spike Lee is a master of cinema tone. Yeah. Like, and he and he's at the top of his game with this film as far as tone is concerned and subject matter. I mean, this couldn't have been done by anybody else but mm-hmm. Spike Lee. Yeah. You know, thank God Jordan Peele gave it to him. Jordan Peele knew what was up, you know, yeah. and, and, he, and he knows tone. He understands tone as well. And coming off the success of uh, Get Out. So this was a, what you call a no-brainer, you know. <laughs> and so because of that, because his legend trusted me with the material... I wasn't nervous. I wasn't anxious. I was inspired. I was encouraged. I was inspired, too, because I saw him on set every day like a little kid. He had this exuberance, this youthful exuberance about filmmaking, about the work. You can get cussed out now. Don't get it twisted. You better be on your game. But it was just... But it's one of those things that just get over it because just service the film. Leave your ego and your feelings at the door. Just come into work because we're doing something. And you feel like you're a part of this family. I'm a part of this rich pantheon, this history. Well, he's like I was telling you about earlier how he just brought so many people, Sam Jackson's of the world, you know, just yeah. uh, uh, Rosie Perez's of the world. So all these people that, you, that I'm a part of now, we're connected yeah. forever, cinema life. So um, I was excited. I was motivated. And I was I've never been more confident because of the confidence he instilled in me. This 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 hero of mine believing and telling me to trust my instincts. That's why that's why you're here. So I was yeah. off to the races. Where did you guys film it? We were in uh, Ossining, upstate New York, mm-hmm. and then in uh, Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm always curious how environments shape a performance, you know, being in those environments and, and just, you know, the atmosphere of that. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Absolutely, man. Um, it, was a, it was an environment of inclusion, collab- collaboration, um, and honestly, the, spirit of the, the spirits of the people we were talking about, Topher Grace, channeled the spirit of David Duke. I know he'd be like, I don't know if that... It is a compliment, Topher. Like, he, he's amazing. Corey Hawkins captured the spirit of Kwame Ture. I mean, and that's because of who was at the helm. I'm telling you. I've been working on sets and have been in, been a part of different projects. I've never been a part of something like this where he understands... He's a master of tone and also a master of momentum, understanding momentum and energy, like a coach, like a Phil Jackson knowing not to call a timeout if the other team is going on a run. Let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he understands when not to say anything. He understands when to yell at somebody else, even if he's actually... That energy is directed towards you, but he's giving it to somebody else because he knows you're watching. Mm-hmm. He just understands. He just understands energy, and he created such an environment of of, of fluidity, of of inclusion that it was just we didn't have to think about anything else but what we were doing. All I had to do was listen to my scene partner because the platform, the the canvas was set to paint on, mm-hmm. and that kind of freedom. I, I honestly gotta, I gotta like snap out of it because that doesn't happen like that. You know, that's, I feel like that's gonna be a once in a lifetime thing. I think so a little <laughs> bit, to be honest. I think I got spoiled because of the freedom and the trust. People don't trust. Like, and I'm not saying other people, other experiences are, are are bad because of that. Just, it, everybody trusts differently, but it was one of those free for like like trust falls. Like I'm yeah. right, so yeah, it yeah. was great. That was great. Yeah, great environment. Uh, did you know anything about this story beforehand? No. And I, I, I feel I felt at first a little embarrassed, but now I'm like, there's a lot of people that know. I felt embarrassed because I went to Morehouse College, historically black school, and I, you know, I learned a lot about my culture. Uh, and this one slipped through the cracks. A lot of people didn't know about this story. But uh, once Why don't you I, explain it briefly, by the way? Oh, so the, uh, it's, it's, a, it's about a man named Ron Stallworth, the first African-American detective in Colorado Springs in the 70s to infiltrate. He ran a sting operation to infiltrate the Ku 
Ku Klux Klan, posing as a white supremacist. <laughs> and he found a, a partner a, 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 in his department to play him when they when he when they encountered them face to face. So he would get intel from his partner, and they would exchange information back and forth. And they were successful in their mission. I can't give away how they were successful, but it was successful. It was, and I think it's a true act of heroism. Mm -hmm. I think he was a true American hero mm -hmm. because he did it. And he also, the big takeaway from the film as well for me was that the support that he got from people, from men that look like you. You know what I mean? Like, they were about the mission. They were about yeah. the, the, the staying operation. They put whatever differences they might have personally had, they put it aside to achieve greatness, to, to do their job, which is to protect and serve their community. And another thing is what was inspiring to me was I, I, I didn't know much about, you know, African-American police officers until I did the research. Mm. And they, they, it, it's a tough job. It's a thankless job for police officers, period, but it's specifically for men and women of color uh, protecting and serving because here – a lot of people think that they're not for their people, for the cause. They're not aware. They're not what they call woke because mm -hmm. they wear blue. Mm -hmm. And then they're not blue enough for the people in their own department. So it's it's really unfair. So I, I, I want them, people out there that are protecting and serving, doing it the right way, I want you to be proud. You know, I hope you're proud when you watch this and know that you are recognized. And we, we salute you, the ones that are doing it the right way. Yeah. What did meeting the real Ron do for you? informed me of everything. It gave me this calm and this sense of confidence that, also, that I also needed from him to know that he trusted me. Again, the big word is trust here. The operative word is trust because he, this is his life, his legacy, in the hands of a Spike Lee, in the hands of this John David guy he doesn't really know. You know, yeah. but like actually, actually, though, I take that back. He, his, his daughters, his wife, daughters, uh, they they knew the show Ballers, oh, yeah. and they were like, "No, oh, Dad, Jesse, he's he's, we love him." Oh my God! <laughs> so that that, I, that, thank you, kids, appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it meant it meant the world to me. And uh, playing, never play, I've never played somebody that a real person, and that's alive, yeah. more or less. So that was uh, an incredible challenge that I, I welcomed with open arms. Yeah. What was what was the most unbelievable part of this story when you finally heard everything about it? Like, what just made you your jaw drop? Because it is such a when, not even the movie. It, I got to say in real life, I mean, which is in the movie. But when he passed around, so I met him for the first time at the table read. Mm. When he passed around his membership card, <laughs> he is a Ku Klux Klan member. <laughs> He's, I, no, I'm not That's lying. He, no, it's yeah. insane. Like, yeah. he has the car, yo. He passed it around to everybody. Like, we're looking at it, and it's signed by David Duke. He's got these rules on the back, like, first rule of Flight Club. Don't talk about <laughs> Flight Club. Like, it's crazy. Wow. Like, I, I'm like, and he's got the certificate, too. He took a He can't find the pick. I can't. Oh, I don't want to give it away. But, like, it's crazy. You, you'll see. But that card really... It really affected me in a way. I mean, because he was like... It was almost like an Avenger. Like, I've been reading about him and, and doing all yeah. this research. Then I finally meet him. Like, Yo, this dude's like a real person. Yeah. Like, my God. And then he shows the card, like, oh, my God. He really had a relationship with David. How did this, this is a black guy That's in Colorado crazy. Springs in the 70s, yo. Like, this is crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a very wowing moment. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of ballers, by the way, I just wanted to talk uh, just about The Rock, uh, yeah. working with him. I mean, that guy, he seems like he's got the kind of energy that yeah. you'd make money off of it if you could yeah. sell it or something. But, uh, <laughs> Energy's right. I mean, and that's contagious. And, and it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how big or famous you get, you oh, don't forget about the people. And yeah. he seems to always make time for the people. His fans are everything to him. So I, and I appreciate that. Yeah. We're also going to see you in, uh, just later this year, The Old Man of the Gun. And Monsters and Men. And Monsters and Men. Yeah. 
Uh, particularly with Old Man and the Gun, I'm a big David Lowry fan, so I just want to. Talk oh, you know David? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You we saw had him on the show last year. Yeah. Oh, cool. I love that film. I love that. I Yo, amazing. I want people to talk more about that. The yeah. perspective of the like, I, it took me a minute. Once I settled in around, like when she's eating that pie, <laughs> right? She just stayed with it. I was like, oh, he's gonna, she's gonna eat the whole thing. <laughs> you know, like, oh, she's gonna eat the whole thing. I was into it. Yeah, I love that movie. I love that. Movie. A lot of people look at me like, like, what's your favorite, favorite movie? movie like, last I, year. that's what I said. Yeah, I swear to God, movie, yeah. that's what I said. So. You know, I, I, that so you hear my enthusiasm. I, I love Walker. That's another. Again, he's he's a man that just just created an environment that was safe to play and explore and, and just to connect with your partners. I got to say, I, I went to go. Uh, I watched. It was my day off. That that was my day off, and I went to go see Robert Redford and uh, and uh, uh, Danny Glover and Tom Waits work. Mm-hmm. Tell my master class that yeah. they, I mean, they would like share stories while they're setting up, and then they yell action <laughs> and just jump right into the character. I mean, you were talking about poise and just all that, just a wealth of experience. It was great. I mean, Robert Redford is crazy. Like he he he's Robert Redford, right? So you see him, and he's like this regular, you know, nice little, nice older gentleman, and then they yell action, and that charm, that movie star just turns on. It was just like activated. I was like, yo, I see now. So I got no excuse. I got to be 80 and still be on my game. That's the juice right there. That's the juice, baby. Um, what do you what do you want to do next? What do you think you'll do next? What, what's well, being able to work with again, I got to work with Ronaldo Marcus Green on Monsters and Men, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's a student of Spike Lee. I've been lucky for between David, Ronaldo, and Spike. I got master classes. I got to work. I mean, maybe I'm spoiled now, but to, and spoiled in the way of working. How to tell the truth? There's more than one way to get to the truth. But they don't skip. None of those directors skipped any steps. They they were all about process. So that's the mandate for me right now because I'm still learning, man. I, I I need to learn more, and they helped me with that. Mm-hmm. They helped me with that. They helped me find myself as an artist. They helped me. They gave me more confidence that these guys know what they're doing and they believed in me to help them with their vision. Mm-hmm. And the operative word there is help, not mm-hmm. like they're gonna tell me what their vision is and you do it. Help me with it. Mm-hmm. best idea in the room wins. I want more of that. You know, yeah. that's the high I'm chasing because that's what's gonna get me better. So uh, it's not necessarily. I mean, obviously. That's about what's on the script and all of that. But I want to work with film enthusiasts that really care about this. And if you don't, if you're trying to make a buck, if you try, it's called show business, that's cool too. But like finding that balance of art and commerce is, is, is the priority for me right now. Mm-hmm. Just hearing you talk about film and talking about masters of tone and things like this, uh, do you have any sort of ambitions to be a filmmaker? Do you want to direct? That's hard, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't. Not, again, let me, I got to keep learning first. I need, yeah. I, need more, I need more set experiences with some masters. You know, yeah. and then uh, we'll see. We'll see what I get after uh, after a couple more years. We'll see what I. I mean, I might. I maybe maybe not writing. Maybe I might have some. But I need to. Le- I need to learn more. I need to learn more. Yeah. First. Well, keep it up, man. This movie's awesome. Your performance is great Thank in you. it. Uh, looking forward to the others as well. Appreciate it. Uh, it's Black Klansman. It comes out. Uh, it should be out by the time you're listening to this. Actually, yeah, 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 so yeah. go see it immediately after you hear this conversation. Come on, people. Thanks for doing the show, man. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, brother.